podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're for the final time in a little while hibernating in our international snooze break off the back of a mixed game week where Kane blanked but the community salivated over Liverpool's star man. One man who had a good week despite that Kane blank is Nick. So mate, did you meet your fortune teller? Well Tom, I don't want to give it away just how I picked my team but I definitely had a week that kept the momentum going (laughs) apart from obviously the Kane blank. So once again we are here, we are Who Got The Assist, you can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL and online at whogottheassist.com. Follow us and subscribe if you like what you hear. Cool, so on the pod today we'll recap the game we've just gone before launching into our features section, within which we've got a few developments to update you guys on. We'll finish off with a once again expanded community section with lots of different sorts of themes cropping up uh, this week that we think is, it might be good to discuss during the international break. Excellent Tom, so how was your game week? Um, yeah, I mean it was alright Nick, it was alright. I got a green arrow in the end, uh, but it was a 52 and so it meant that... You know, it was a bit of a damp squib, to be honest. Uh, I didn't want to throw, my, throw away my television, but at the same time, it was something that made me, um, you know, think like there could have been more. I think you're, you're above average. You're on the other side. Always good to be um, to be in the green. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think you'll have to be pleased with with the green arrows, even if it's not as high as you you hoped. Perhaps after yeah. Mo Salah's performance. Yeah, exactly. I mean, missing out on the Elliot clean sheet. I mean, a lot of people have that. But missing out on that in the last minute. I mean, Norton being rubbish. Jones conceding, getting the yellow card. Vardy blanking early on. These are all things that kind of are really annoying. And then Murata, I got rid of him and kept uh, Jesus. Yeah, and then Morata got the eight points, and Jesus got the five. That was quite annoying. punishing. What happened with Newcastle right at the end, um, and Richardson as well. Yeah, because I, I got sixty-two points, so it's just another green arrow for me. It's quite, a, I think, it's the highest game week rank actually of the season, which that's three hundred and seventy-eight k. It's not like an amazingly high game week rank, but you know, I was quite obviously pleased with that. Um, up to one hundred fifty k in the well now, which is pretty decent. Salah was the main man again, but I got points from Ward, Alonso. Uh, Jesus, Morata, eight points, Sterling, Richarlison. So, yeah, a lot of my players returned, which is pretty damn fantastic. So, yeah, pleased with that. Apart from Kane, Lanking, Wembley, <laughs> again, you know, I'm, I don't know why I keep uh, captaining him in the uh, easy fixtures because he's done it at Swansea, Bournemouth, Burnley. Of course, he was going to do it at Crystal Palace at home as well. Like, in the long run, I think I win by having Kane. But at the moment, it's just looking like such a confusing place to be. I mean, let's start, I think, with the early game. I didn't have anyone in this game, the Stoke Leicester game. You had, uh, you had Vardy. Yeah, it was a blank for him, unfortunately. And, and you know, he's going to get that what, that one chance, or maybe one or two chances every game. He got one, missed it, a left footer. And there was one point, I think, Mares, he, he, he like if he looked up and seen Vardy, it would have been a goal. But, unfortunately, Mares did what he always does and went for it himself. Yeah, that was quite unfortunate. <laughs> and him getting that early blank, it was one of those early kind of dampeners straight away and it kind of set me on negative mood for the game week. Uh, Vardy, I, I'm kind of thinking about him again now. Um, at 8.5 and return every three games... It, is that good enough? I mean, he is a set and forget. Yeah, I mean, he's now had 19 points in the last six games, and I don't think that's that is good enough for the for the price that you've bought him at. I mean, their fixture run it's Man City at home, so it's it's a tough game. But you know, like previous seasons, I think it was last season, Leicester had a horrendous season, but there was that really exciting game where they just got Manchester City on the counter attack multiple times and and thrashed them. So 
maybe maybe they could do a repeat. Maybe or maybe Pep's learned from his mistakes. I don't know, but you, you could see Jamie Vardy getting them on the counter. Yeah. You know, John Stones being caught off guard, Otamendi suspended for it, isn't he? Yeah, but I mean that's the um, that's the thing with Vardy. You see any of these games, and you just think, you know what, he could score in that. It's completely different from like Lukaku. Like if you see Lukaku, you see he's got like a big game up next against the top six team. You think, you know what? Nah, I don't really fancy him. Whereas for Vardy, you see that you know he's got City up next. You see the FDR is five or whatever it is on FPL, and you don't feel anything. The problem is with Vardy. I mean, I had a look, quick look at him earlier on. He's actually had less shots overall than Mares has. So Mares has had twenty six attempts this season. Vardy's only had twenty one. It just seems he does get that one or two shots a game, but it's not. It's not looking like he's going to be prolific. Yeah, I think. Between Mares and Vardy, Mares is definitely looking like the better FPL asset at the moment. And I know a few people that have him that have been uh, celebrating in recent weeks because that's a, I think that's a, a, f- a fourth return in the row. So that's a great run of form at the moment. Yeah, it's excellent. I, mean, I, was, I think I was uh, speaking to Tom Campbell at Usley TC on Twitter and he was saying he brought in uh, Mares earlier on and was very happy. I just wonder if like now the, the ship has sailed kind of thing. It's just one of those things, where, one of those players that crops up that's completely under the radar. Maybe should have made it into the anti-meta team actually, Nick. Yeah, um, maybe. I think uh, Zerdan Shakiri probably should be in the anti-meta team as well, Shakiri, Shakiri, he got a goal and assist as well. I mean, you were a big fan of Shakiri last season, weren't you? You had him and then he got injured. <laughs> I think this year he's kind of been shown up a little bit by two promoting. He's been two promoting's been the Stoke asset to own, but Shakiri's now actually outscoring him by a point. So you know, 0.2 more than Shakiri. If you're looking for a, a differential within the Stoke team, perhaps he is an option. Yeah, and Stoke have got decent fixtures coming up, haven't they? We've got Brighton, Palace, and Liverpool, uh, Swansea, and then, and then Spurs. So three of the next five are actually quite decent. And Tupé Moting was fielded as the striker in the beginning, wasn't he? Before yeah, he's, he's, he is, he's out of position, so he does offer that. He's been playing up front a lot. But he hasn't been scoring as much as perhaps managers would hope. But he has pick, been picking up a few assists in the last few game weeks. So that's that's pretty decent at least. Right, so on Saturday at 3 o'clock, I mean, this is going to be quite a short section, isn't it, Nick? So you had four games and they're all very boring. Huddersfield, West Brom, Newcastle, Bournemouth, Southampton, Burnley and Swansea, Brighton. Yeah, and, and the results <laughs> read like binary code, don't they? So <laughs> they do. it's not a... Not too exciting. I think we're going to gloss over them quite quickly. I didn't have any attacking assets during these games, so I was just hoping for clean sheets, um, particularly in the Burnley game, which I had uh, Cedric in and Stephen Ward. So um, I was actually just hoping for both sides to concede here. When the goal went in for Burnley, uh, because it's like, yeah, come on, now uh, now Southampton are going to show up. Charlie Austin's on the pitch away against his old club. You've got to be thinking that's going to be a goal, but alas, alas for me and luckily for you, uh, Burnley held out and got quite an impressive win there. Yeah, I mean, Southampton just haven't shown any attacking threat whatsoever this season. Only managed nine goals all season. Failed to score in eight of their 11 last home games, which is pretty shocking. But I think the story is more about the Burnley defence. That's um, that's now their fifth clean sheet, which is um, joint fourth best in the Premier League. But they're actually their, their stats for shots is um, the worst. It's 195 shots they've conceded, which is the worst in the Premier League. I think it's um, partly down to Nick Pope, their goalkeeper, who's been a... <laughs> You know, a star really, hasn't he? Yeah, since he exactly. uh, the thing is with the Burnley defence, I mean, I'm getting me in this week for Bellerin, I think. They're just looking like such a staple now. It feels like, you know, Phil Jones a couple of weeks ago, in that Aklini there, in FPL land at least, is, is equal to an also red arrow for me, not owning. And me as well looks quite a threat. I remember last year he scored against Man City, didn't he? I think he's a counter for War. 4.9, I think last time he looked, he was think, um, he was about third in the most transferred in players. So it's, it's pretty incredible what's going on with Stephen Ward. And I had him at 4.5, so I'm 
quite happy that I'm going to potentially be getting 0.4s worth of rises out of him. But um, I think in the last couple of games, he hasn't picked up any bonus. Ben Mee got nine in one of them and eight in the other. So he has missed out on the bonuses. He does offer a bit of assist potential, a little bit more perhaps than Ben Mee. But Ben Mee, like you said, um, you know, offers that threat from corners and could uh, could always score. Could too. So, bash you know. one in, yeah. I mean, always Tarko and Lowton there. And the only thing to keep an eye on there is really the Daesh everton connection. We don't know what's going to happen there yet. Um, maybe if Daesh goes, there might be a problem with those clean sheets continuing. But but who knows? I'm mean, yeah, sure they're I mean, quite well the, the players are in, the players in form. Tarko and me about 97 and 95 clearances each, which is second and third most out of all uh, Premier League players. Yeah, and I think they're top for blocks as well, the two of them, aren't they, Tarko and me? Yeah, so they're you, up there with the Brighton boys as well. You can see why they're hoovering the, uh, hoovering the bonus. And let's move on to the Brighton lads then. So Brighton won, no involvement for Gross, um, but four matches unbeaten Brighton and the old warhorse Murray is <laughs> <laughs> it again he's converting I mean I would never be considered Glenn Murray in normal circumstances but at 5.8 I mean you've got to be thinking well they've got Stoke Man United Palace next three I still prefer um, Tammy Abraham I think you've you've got to go with youth haven't you you've got to give youth a chance in your team you know young and upcoming player rather than the old war horse Glenn Murray but no yeah he's he's um, proving himself as a a decent poacher to go, and he's probably he's building up a little connection with um, Pascal Gross as well. Um, he's obviously you know providing all the assists to every Brighton goal. Murray's doing yeah, well. Yeah, he's just getting on the end of it. He's addicted to the shindig of scoring, isn't he? And uh, Duffy and Dunk, you mentioned. Yeah, so um, they're getting on the end of shots as well. They've had nine each, which is up there in the most shots for defenders. You know, Dunk at four point four, definitely a decent option. Duffy, hundred and three clearances, most out of any player. You know, if you're looking for a differential in the cheap market and don't want to you know don't want to buy a Burnley defender go for a Brighton one so, um, so. You've, you've got Kyle Norton stinking I out your team though haven't you do have Kyle Norton and in game week 6 it seemed like a great idea but it's looking very very stupid now I mean he, he was on one bonus point at some at some point in and I kept sort of seeing one life score Kyle Norton delivers a cross into the box but I think he didn't do anything really unfortunately and he, he's looking like he'll be this year's Peters for me you know, yeah. sitting on the bench second sub kind of thing I'm never going to play him and uh, Swansea are looking pretty well, poor well whenever you play him and you see them for C you just want to throw away your television don't you <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and then uh, Newcastle, Bournemouth. Uh, speaking of throwing away your television, so Matt Ritchie, I owned in that game. Two great shots. Once he hit the post, it rebounded out, and Gale converted, but it wasn't a goal. It was given as offside, which is really annoying. And then the second shot was a great save by Begovic. You know, he's not looking like the best option at the moment. Five point nine. United up next. I'm probably going to be benching him this week. Coming Loftus Cheek. <laughs> so, disappointing times. D- disappointing. I mean, the cells he got injured as well, so I'm a bit worried about Newcastle's defensive solidity uh, for their upcoming fixture against Manchester United. I've still got um, Jules Spironi actually, so I'm, t- I'm tempted to give him a chance. Yeah, <laughs> give, give him a Just, run. Up. Why not? Yeah, be a, but, be, a, be a fan. Incredibly, there were 32 shots in that game, 16 per side. Um, so you know, Steve Cook at four point eight registering the goal and getting fifteen points for what his single digit of owners, I suspect. Yeah. For Bournemouth's um, next few fixtures are just great. I mean, Huddersfield home, Swansea away, Burnley home, Southampton home, Crystal Palace away. I mean, surely they can get at least three out of five clean sheets. Charlie Daniels, we talked about him on um, pods in the past. He's obviously a very attacking defender. 
Um, unfortunately, not on penalties anymore. If it wasn't penalties, it'd be amazing. But no, I mean, last few seasons, he scored four or five goals each season. So, you know, he hasn't really done too much this season so far, but maybe he can return some attacking points. Yeah, I think he's one to have a look at. I mean, I'm looking at maybe Simon Francis at 4.4, the captain, maybe bringing him in as my Mbemba replacement, just because those fixtures are so good, as you mentioned. I think, yeah, you've got to get rid of Mbemba at some point, just to, especially once the fixture congestion increases, you need to have like 15 players playing week in, week out, don't you? Yeah, exactly. And then moving on to the final kind of one of these boring games, West Brom lost uh, to Huddersfield and, you know, who cares? Uh, Hagazzi owners might care. I mean, he's the highest owned uh, yeah, defender. Yeah, he's still um, got 20.8% ownership, even though he's decreasing, even though he's decreased back down to 46 So, you know, if you still like Hagazzi, just get rid because you're losing value now. You've lost most of the value that you had. So I think West Brom defence is pretty poor. Same with Foster as well. Probably time to get rid if you, you have him and try and find a keeper that can keep a clean sheet. Maybe Nick Pope. Um, yeah, Huddersfield, I mean, it, just, it was a cracking goal by Van der Perez. All right, so let's move on to something more interesting. 4-1 Liverpool, a billish bye-bye. Um, West Ham have not looked like a cohesive unit and relying on the individual talents of players like Lanzini and Antonio. And uh, yeah, he, he's gone and he's been replaced by David Moyes, Nick. I mean, what are your, what are your views on Moisey? Well, yeah, I mean, he, he's such an exciting manager. I think he's, he's going to get the old gang back together shortly. Isn't he? He's going <laughs> to an exciting in, manager, in, I'm sure you'll get, Bring in back Darren Gibson, Yanazai, maybe bring back Fellaini, Fellaini and uh, Moyes and West Ham. You know, it's a match made in heaven. But no, yeah, we'll, we'll see how he gets on. Obviously, he's, his uh, career's hit... Um, a bit of a poor patch after yeah, previously you, being three times LMA manager of the year. Do you think he's carrying some scar tissue about his kind of previous performances? No, I think definitely he's definitely carrying some scar tissue, yeah. So on the other side of it, I mean, obviously no, one, no one's really got West Ham assets. We're going to speak about them later on, though. Uh, Liverpool, there's one man probably we need to be speaking about, which is Salah. Um, probably wish we both captained him, really, don't we? Yeah, I mean, he definitely put in a captain's performance, as Alan <laughs> Smith would say, an FPL captain, but no, he was our vice-captain. So, uh, you know, like, I, we were both really pleased, but then we were actually surprised like how many people in our mini-league had him as well. So we weren't seeing too much... Um, you were hoping for a bit of rank increase, and then you looked in the mini-league, and you're like, everyone's got Salah, apart from Neil Gupta. So sorry, Neil. Yeah, but he was below me, and it was just like... It was crazy. Absolutely crazy. The ownership's creeping, isn't it, as well? I mean, it must be ne- nearing 40% yeah, now. Yeah, it's near 40 percent is insane oh, nearly two million managers benefited from his uh, returns at the weekend so there's no surprise I mean he's a great FPL asset he was our pick for Liverpool at the beginning of the season I think when we did the red roulette so yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, you've, yeah. got, you've got Sadio Mane he's back got two assists and like, did you see that first goal for Salah I mean just the afterburners both of them like so quick but he's looking like a valid differential for, for Salah isn't he Mane yeah, yeah I think once uh Bilic just left um, Aaron Creswell at the back <laughs> defending the corner, you know. Like, of course, they were going to get completely caught in the counter-attack. It was daft, daft management there. But, um, yeah, no returns for Firmino again, despite a very good performance. I mean, he's always a case of the, being the bridesmaid, not the bride, isn't he, Firmino? Yeah, well, we said that, though, I think, at the start of the season. That's probably what's going to happen with Firmino, that he's creating the space for other people. He's doing work for the team. That doesn't necessarily translate into F- to FPL points. Actually, though. for like the second half, Salah was actually playing like the number nine position, and yeah, Firmino yeah. moved over to the wing. So, yeah, you, know, you, like, can, you can see why there's all these... position played by Salah as well. Exactly. And I think if you don't own Salah at the moment, you've got to either be thinking, I'm going to get Mane in, 
or be panicking, just jumping on the wagon. But we'll, I think we'll speak about this a bit later. Yeah, because we'll, yeah, we're going to cover it in the market forces as well. I mean, Liverpool now top for goal attempts, 199. But um, we saw that people are just moving out the Spurs assets for the Liverpool assets, and it's, it's no surprise with um, with that sort of performance against West Ham. Exactly. All right, let's move on to, to Sunday then. Um, Harry Kane, we were obliged to captain him, weren't we, I think? And uh, yeah, it, it didn't really work out. And I think it was just one of those weeks where you, we know what Kane can do. And going without Kane, he scores a hat-trick at home, you're toast. Um, and I think that that's what kind of made people go into it like it's herd mentality it's fear and greed driving you to do it and um, yeah I guess I mean what do you think about everybody's performances Nick? I think universally speaking everyone was just disappointed with um, (laughs) with Kane once again and it's just like it's just the story of my season in terms of my captain's picks because it's going terribly isn't it? I I can never get a captain decision right and it's because I keep captaining Harry Kane at home against easy oppositions and on the way as well against Newcastle, so it's just like Burnley, like I said, Burnley, Bournemouth, Swansea, and now Palace. It's just like, am I just going to keep doing it all season? Just keep punishing myself. I mean, Spurs have Arsenal away next, so you know maybe you wouldn't captain Harry Kane against them. But then it's West Brom at home. You'd think captain Harry Kane, but it's, it's going to be again. He's going to blank. It's inevitable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You've, I think confidence is definitely shaken in him. I mean, elsewhere. Um, I mean Son the man I'd love to own but never really can because he's never going to be in the first team let's face it scored again uh, in this sort of game um, Ali injury at the like, Sunday morning this was being uh, reported that he was injured wasn't it so Poch is kind of beginning to show that he can be quite deceptive in press conferences then don't know yeah it's been a few times that Poch hasn't um, told us something like I think having Ben Davis a couple of times when they were playing at home as well where he, he had an illness but no one knew about it in the t- until the team sheet was announced so you have to be very and I think it's also Harry Kane as well with his injury like they pretended like it was just cramp until like the Friday when they were like nope he's injured exactly and the other man um, as well as Ericsson I mean my initial plan actually last week if Kane wasn't fit maybe it was a blessing in disguise was to bring him in and captain him instead of Sterling I mean Ericsson's uh, he's, he's stepping back into the midfield isn't he a bit more he's only he, the last time he assisted was game week two that is a surprise, but it's not. It's not a surprise considering Spurs have had um, quite a few injuries in midfield. I mean, they've had to shuttle Harry Winks into the first team because of like the likes of Wanyama being out, um, Dembele being injured as well. Dia, who played most of last season in midfield, had to play a lot of the time as part of the back three as well because of defensive injuries. Yeah, and on the other side of it, you've got Palace. Um, Zaha rounded rounded uh, Gazaniga, but couldn't convert. Um, so still still looking quite dangerous. Um, you've got Scott Dan, the goal scorer, who also looked quite close to uh, looked quite close on a couple of occasions. Only four point seven now. I think I owned him a couple of years ago, and you know he was where I drew some blood on a few occasions. Yeah, I mean he's been missing so many clear cut chances. He's been getting into the right positions, but like just he just converting. couldn't. Yeah, couldn't convert. I mean that was the end of Frank the Ball, wasn't it? it was Frank the Bye Bye. <laughs> I think once once Scott Dan missed that lot. That header in his final game. Oh god, yeah, you can imagine the sinking feeling. And finally, uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek. Uh, he's uh, oh, he's coming in the right at the moment. We're going to speak speak about him later. But uh, he had a sh- he had one shot in the game and one created one chance. Nick, I mean, these are it's fantastic, fantastic stats, which make it definitely worth a field compared to Matt Ritchie next week, okay. right? Sure, yeah, yeah, convince yourself, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to Man City then. Yep, 3-1. Jesus didn't start, but he came off the bench and scored. Uh, Sterling as well. Uh, 
Uh, did you see that Sterling um, when Sterling and Sane were through and he just like absolutely fudged a pass it was horrendous I couldn't believe that but he still managed to, yeah. to get a return because he um, he got the assist for Aguero's penalty uh, it was a bit of a weird one so obviously both my Manchester City assets um, returned points which I was pleased about but I don't know like I think I might just keep on to keep Jesus even though he didn't start I think he's he's just going to come off the bench and get returns each time and he seems like he's, he's worth keeping for now he's a bit of a Slight differential because he's had a few sales Because he's selling, well. being sold so much. I got Jesus in, right, two weeks ago or two game weeks ago. I paid minus four for him. He's got me one point, one point and five points. And I mean, Josh on Always Shooting also mentioned this, but he looks like a bit of a squad player to me. I mean, I don't really want a man who's looking like he's going to play half the games in the league. I feel like there's some psychology here, Tom, because I got him the week before you and he got a 13-point return from that week. So I've still got, you know, positive memories of that high-scoring game week, yeah. which you don't currently have. So you seem like you're more like leaning towards selling him than I, I, I am. I'm you feel like I can see another double-figure return any, <laughs> any time coming I'm, from I'm him. I'm almost so. definitely selling. But yeah, you're, you're right. It's availability heuristic again where you've got that kind of happy memory front of mind when you're like yeah yeah Jesus I believe I believe and then I tried to kind of retroactively grow some faith and that faith never went anywhere unfortunately I was quite upset with that yeah and uh, shall we whilst you're upset shall we talk about your your team Arsenal yeah yeah maybe I mean Lacazette um, as I said on Twitter at the beginning of the game he's 50 million pounds he's the 50 million pound star striker you've got to be starting him and you've got to get him ingratiated with the team um, didn't start came on and scored uh, Ramsey was in the points again Ramsey who we brought in on the anti-mess team actually due to his underlying form um, was the man who assisted him uh, but the key talking point really from an Arsenal point of view is the offside for David Silva when we were for the 3-1 um, I'm, I've seen a few of them and obviously um, you know these things happen an awful lot it doesn't it just happen to Arsenal it happens to everyone and Arsene, Arsene Wenger as well afterwards was saying oh Sterling dives very well or something like that yeah I, I mean, think he made a big bit of a you know, oh, it was all the referees' decisions that lost us the game. It wasn't the fact that Manchester City basically outperformed Arsenal massively. Yeah. And I think you, before the game, I think as an Arsenal fan, you'd be happy to admit that you were expecting a loss. You weren't expecting. Yeah. To, you weren't going into that game thinking, "Oh, we can win this one." Really, were you? Like, yeah, exactly. I mean, in, it would have been a surprise. If it Arsenal it would won. have been a surprise in the first half. We were looking extraordinary compared because of how good City were, and you know, it was just ten more reasons why we need somebody new. Because it was just the performance wasn't good enough, the players weren't good enough, and it it just didn't look like you know, having Sanchez starting there, and he do, he doesn't want to be there. He wants to join the other team. And Lacazette on the bench as well. Lacazette exactly. definitely should have started. That's what I was earlier. That's what I was saying. And you know, I feel like we're not learning very much about Arsenal now. And all I can, all I am is annoyed. I, mean, I bench Bellerin. Glad I bench Bellerin. He got one point and. They're just looking. I mean, what they got next? They've got Spurs, Burnley, Huddersfield, Man United, and Southampton. And those are five fixtures, apart from the Huddersfield game, where you'd be reticent to really be jumping on Arsenal, right? Yeah, I mean, you can see a clean sheet perhaps against Burnley, clean sheet against Southampton, so maybe you should... And Huddersfield, And, you know, Jose will probably park the bus against them as well, so maybe, you know, Bellerin isn't a bad shout to keep for the next few game weeks. I'm not keeping hold of him, he's going for a Burnley asset, that's for sure. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, yeah, so what happened next? Let's uh, move on to... Yeah, so Watford, Everton... That was quite an exciting game uh, till in the end. Uh, the main talking point, I guess, was I mean, Everton with a fantastic comeback, but I think just cleverly fudging that penalty right at the end, denying us of a 
Those Richarlison assist points and the additional three bonus points. Yeah, that was very, very upsetting. And I was looking at the mini league when that when it was a penalty, and I was kind of calculating where I could have jumped to and all the people I could beat this week. Richarlison picked up the ball and started trying to take the penalty, and the players were like, "No, no, no!" The the manager said it's it's Tom Cleverly. It's a bit like kind of you know Mourinho with Lukaku, and it was really depressing actually because you know, if Richarlison scores that, he gets a brace. I mean, then we're really talking about, you know, hyper green arrows here. So, yeah, that was quite depressing. Yeah, I mean, Everton, I don't know if anyone's still looking at them for assets. It was nice to see um, Leighton Baines get a goal and assist. A bit of a flashback to, uh, you know, happier times, perhaps. Yeah. But, um, they've got, I mean, they've got Crystal Palace up next. They've got Southampton, West Ham, Huddersfield. So, it is, we really should be talking about Everton, but, like... Who, who is there? I mean, I know a few people have been talking about Dominic Calvert-Lewin potentially. Yeah, he, scored, he scored, didn't he? And yeah. um, Nias as well, because I think most people on Twitter are saying that Nias is the starter, but I don't, I'm not too certain about that. Nias is 4.9, uh, but so which is obviously very good value, but is he going to start? Is he going to come off the bench? Who knows? Um, they're obviously, their managerial situation is up in the air as well, because it sounds like from the media that Unsworth's not going to keep the job. No, is that, and, uh, who knows? If Daesh goes there, perhaps we might look at the defence again. I mean, we were, we were saying on WhatsApp, weren't we, that maybe Siggy might be quite good if Daesh goes there because of the set pieces and the fact that that might happen. Um, uh, Evan, for Dave, it, uh, I, I don't know. I, I can't look at them at the moment. I, I, they're completely out of the running for me, out of the reckoning for me, I suppose. Um, one team, or two teams who were in the reckoning and were part of the reason why this game was so awkward. Chelsea United, 1-0. Um, I was actually really lucky early on um, because of the own goal for Jonesy, which wasn't given because of a push. But that would have been an Alonso yeah, assist. it would have been an Alonso <laughs> assist. I felt, I felt very happy actually with the result because I didn't have any United coverage and I had um, Alonso and Morata. And I think just Manchester United players are so heavily owned. If it was a Lukaku goal with perhaps a Mkhitaryan assist, then my rank would have just plummeted. It would have just been... Completely the opposite. Phil Jones probably picked up some bonus points. David Hayward, of course, picked up three saves or six saves and got bonus points as well. And it had just been a terrible game week. So I was very happy with the result. The Aspil Equator to Murata partnership. Again, that's the fifth time that he's um, assisted Murata this season. So he's assisted five out of Murata's seven goals so far. Um, only four points um, now separate Kane, Lukaku, Morata and Aguero in terms of FPL scores. So it's, it's very tight at the top in terms of which premium assets to own. Yeah, I, I think we should probably... Should we do... Luk- I think we'll keep Kaku for a bit later on because that's quite a section in itself, yeah, I think. Yeah, we're going to do a little bit of a Lukaku versus Morata comparison. Gem- general chat, uh, I think. But I think yeah, we can cover that a little bit later. About, so Alonso, what do you think? We both, we both own him. Is he an expensive dud? Well, I know a few people as well who have talked about um, Alonso to Aspilicueta sideways moves. And, I, and you, you said it as well. You were thinking about it. I don't think you were thinking about it seriously, but you, you had it in one of your drafts as a, a part of a minus four, minus eight hit, which yeah, I, yeah, I thought was a bit daft. Um, Thanks. <laughs> sorry, no offence. But I mean, I, I can understand why you're leaning towards Aspilicueta, but it's just at the moment, if, you, if we do a comparison, I mean... Alonso, he's he's better. He's got eighty one point two minutes per goal attempt compared to two hundred seventy minutes for Aspilicueta. So Alonso still carries much more of an attacking threat. 
but um, it's, with chances created, um, as for Lequeta, he's got 135 minutes per chance created compared to 224 for Alonso. So a chance created every 135 minutes that kind of suggests that he's kind of getting a bit lucky. And so a few people have said on Twitter, and I noticed it as well that the pass to. Uh, Morata, he's done that same pass about three times. So, te- so teams have got to be getting wise to that eventually. And hopefully, like Alonso, whenever when I did watch the highlights, was in the box and in the right area. He just needs to be found, and then suddenly we're going to have 15 points or something, and we're going to be like, "Yeah, I'm glad I kept him." Definitely. I mean, none of Alonso's shots have been target in the last six game weeks, but hopefully he can do something soon. I, I don't know, but um, you also like with the heat maps. Aspilicueta, he plays as part of a back three essentially. That's Alonso. He's a wing back so Alonso has been getting a lot further forward than Aspilicueta exactly and with Chelsea the final thing is that West Brom Liverpool and then they've got Swansea Newcastle and West Ham uh, beginning on a sea of green effectively and it's got a heavy glow to it hasn't it yeah exactly and having three I think having two of those or three of those is going to start to become in vogue but anyway that's the weekend recap Uh, let's move on to the features after this break who got the assist who got the assist Okay, so uh, we're back and we've got, we've got some news for you about our website. Yep, we're doing a site upgrade. It's coming next week. I think we've um, put a couple of teasers up on um, Twitter and Facebook, haven't we, as to what to expect. But we're, we're quite looking forward to uh, releasing it officially. Yeah, and having a nice kind of new site. And I think what we're going to do is use that as an excuse to reinvigorate our blog a little bit. So at the beginning, obviously, you guys may have gotten to know us through blog posts and prospecting the prospects and the teams and, you know, like the wider kind of future trend stuff that we did. Exactly. I think we started off as a website. Well, we were always planning on being a podcast but we sort of entered the entered the realms as a website where we were posting daily um daily articles over the summer to get people excited for the new season but it's kind of dropped off a little bit I think um, as the season's begun because we've been focusing mostly on the, our weekly podcast Yeah, um, so what we're going to do from now on I think is try to get something new on the site every couple of days so keep checking it out once we've launched it we're quite busy as, as people I mean Nick and I both have day jobs and you know, we do this just, just out of fun um, but we have a, ra- a range of writers and a couple of designers who are in our kind of WGTA team as well and we're just going to kind of reiterate that quick roster um, just quickly um, so the first we've got Ed, who's a Procoptas in FFS, and who will be who writes for us uh, about kind of a lot of stat-based issues and about kind of the wider issues that face FPL. Very good writer. We've got a couple of graphic designers. We've got Matt and we've got Marco, who you might have heard of a few times. And then finally, we've got Ewan as well, who's uh, who works in statistics for the government, and he's coming on next week's pod to discuss some smart model he's come up with and generally kind of add a different voice to proceedings because, you, as you might have heard, me and Nick tend to think fairly similarly about these things yeah, I think yeah. Um, yeah and just on Matt and Marco Marco's obviously he's helped us a lot with the, the web design which we um, much appreciate so thanks for that Marco Matt's been producing some uh, fantastic infographics he's been doing the stock market for us week in week out which is um is a great infog. He's also done some of the sort of the stats where we, you know, the seven point zero midfielders. We looked at the beginning of the summer and other stuff like the red roulette. So yeah, much appreciated, guys. Yeah, thanks, guys, very much. So let's move on to the anti-meta side then, Nick. And this is our team of players who aren't in the template, not really being spoken about in the wider meta or the wider kind of FPL discussion at the moment. We try to keep them under ten percent home, but unfortunately, we have been a little bit successful with some of our picks, so we've had to kind of hamstring our own team, and we have to wildcard them soon, aren't we? Uh, it's probably trying to think of a way of doing that soon so how did the anti-mess team do this week then Nick? 
Well, they scored 44 points, um, which was about a game week rank of about 2.6 million. They're down, so it's a red arrow, unfortunately, down to 550,000th in the world, so still beating you, Tom, oh. you know, those anti-meta <laughs> boys. But um, they actually had to KDB as their captain and got 20 points on him, so I suppose that was their saving grace this week, otherwise it would have been really bad, because the rest of them didn't really do too much, apart from um, Aaron Ramsey. They still got like the likes of that. Then Anthony Marshall getting one point. They got um, sort of an assist for Maguire, um, four points. Okay, I guess they had um, Siggy. You know, still very anti-meta, but still not scoring at all. I think yeah. he's probably going to be in the team all season, probably yeah. at this rate, just doing nothing. And the likes of Josh King as well. You know, a star of last season that hasn't quite delivered yet so far. Um, they um, they had a uh, Joel Matip was he was on the bench unfortunately he got ten points but <laughs> didn't start for some reason. There's there's one man that got one point and that was a uh, Alan Nyom wasn't it Tom? Yep. So we've been following the fortunes of Alan Nyom since the start of the season um, just because we were kind of annoyed at the fact he was criminally overpriced at five point zero and we're just kind of you know immersing ourselves in all, all things Nyom just to see if he has what it takes over the course of the season to justify that price and so far we think probably not. But we've got another installment of Nyon Watch for you. Nick's can take you through it. Um, enjoy. So Alan Nyon, he played 90 minutes. He had 74 touches, 37 passes received, 45 passes made, 37 successful passes. That's 82% for you maths nerds. <laughs> Five crosses. None were successful. 0% for you maths nerds. Two tackles. He won them both. 100%. <laughs> In dispatches, he was mentioned thusly. 36th minute. Nyom cautioned for a foul on goalscorer Dilapara. And um, for Nyom owners, it's worth noting at this point he's minus 97% on FPL stats. So it looks like a drop is incoming. <laughs> Unless, of course, he's owned by someone in FPL Towers like Cedric is because Cedric hasn't dropped yet I know I mean maybe he's one of the dark necessities for FPL Towers but at the same time I mean I think we're we're kind of making our point every week that maybe the 5.0 at the beginning of the season was kind of mad Um, but we do love Alan and if you do see him down local as the Primark Poundland maybe B&M stores let us know and uh, with the hashtag Watch. Um, let's move on, Nick, and let's move away from Alan onto the economy. Yep, so it's time for the market forces section. This is a regular section we have each game week where we look at the prices, who's rising, who's falling, and try and do some analysis in terms of the reasons for the trends. And it goes hand in hand with a weekly article we also do for Fancy Football Scouts called The Market Forces. So the uh, the first guy, I guess, <laughs> this week is Osa Mendy. Um, been sold so far by 132,000 people, Nick. Uh, toppled off the suspension tightrope. Well, yeah, I guess um, one match isn't enough. It's just too much for people to wait for, so they're just getting rid. And I think it's um, partly to do with uh, Phil Jones and his uh, prominence. And even though Jonesy had had a bad game week um, this week, uh, people don't seem to tend to mind. He's, he's already risen in price by 0.1 this game week. He's had um, he's had 90,000 transfers in so far this game week, which is uh, tons. So uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, everyone's and, still on that Jones wagon. Oh, by the way, I tried to say earlier on, um, Otamendi. How do you feel about keeping him in your team? What do you think about that? Well, I'm actually that's an interesting point, Tom, because I'm actually thinking about genuinely doing that move, Otamendi to Jones. Um, so I've got a free transfer. 
I'm going to wait until all those England games are over. I'm not in a rush. Because the thing is, like, if I get Jones in early, there's absolutely 100% chance that he gets injured in the England match. So I'm just going to wait. I'll wait possibly till the Thursday or the Friday, depending if he's going to rise again. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make that move. And I'm... It just it just makes sense. I won't have any I won't have any Manchester United coverage otherwise, and I need defensive coverage for that upcoming run. I need to cover him. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And um, so other people who seem to be benefiting, your man Ward, up to four point nine now. Um, yeah. As Piliqueta as well, benefiting from uh, sales of Otamendi. Yeah, yeah, those um, Burnley defenders are rising and rising. It's it's, it's crazy that they're bringing in so much so many transfers but it's just they've just been so impressive defensively that it's it's, it's, well, it's not really a surprise as equator yep he's um 6.7 he's had over 70,000 transfers in and um that's partly due to his um you know people see yeah but i mean the most transferred in player this game week is is Mo Salah and we talked about him a little bit earlier over 127,000 transfers in at this this moment in time top dog um 15 point score fantastic and uh, he's being sold um the guy being sold mostly for him is Deli Ali so Deli Ali's had over 73,000 transfers out and obviously he's he's carrying a knock which um you know, has sped up the transfer out process plus the uh, the upcoming North London derby, which is also putting people off Spurs assets right now. Yeah, I think that's a bit mad though. I mean, if I see the North London derby and I'm a I'm a Spurs or Tottenham owner, I kind of want to get up and jump and get on one of these guys because like I'm seeing people saying you know Kane captain because Kane's record in London derbies is amazing. Deli Ali looks, you know, that's the sort of game I think that he could flourish in. Um, so I don't know. I, I can see why you want to get Salah in. If you owned Ali and didn't own Salah, that straight swap makes a hundred percent sense. Talk about that in a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm not too sure about how these kind of seventy thousand people are reacting so quickly. It looks like it's an international break injury. We've seen that. Yeah, I mean, it might be that their fortunes faded. You know, they're they're, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're having to sell these guys because they thought Ali was going to start, and they're just so furious that he, he was injured. Even though it's, he's only yellow flagged, he might be back for the North I'm London sh- derby. I'm I'm sure he, he might. Be. He might it's like, end it's up like, lashing out as Jaco and getting sent off as well. Probably so it's at risk. It feels. It feels a bit like kind of you know, Kane's already kind of withdrawn from England. Sterling. Who else? Uh, yeah, Winks as well. Winks, yeah. And Delph. You know, Delph. Hendo. Has Hendo gone? I too? think he's gone too. So they're, you know they're they're down to like the likes of Jack Cork and Jake Livermore being called up. You know, Ruben Loftus Cheek. Loftus Cheek is already there. But yeah, it is a it's a bit of a shocker. You know, like next thing you know they're going to be calling up like your dad or something. Just because there's just no one left or Southgate's going to be like right, got to yeah. get the kit back on. It remains come a, out of retirement. <laughs> remains a travesty that Josh King hasn't been uh, called up to the England squad, eh, Nick? Yeah, Josh King, yeah, Matt Ritchie, yeah. Yeah, all these players. Anyway, yeah, moving... Wes, con- Wes Morgan as well, he's, he's yeah. fantastic <laughs> Continuing on with the uh, with the market forces, uh, Alvaro Morata after that, uh, after that goal, 64,000 transfers in. Uh, it kind of makes sense of West Brom up next, who are leaking goals, um, but at the same time, you've got to be wondering, um, you know, where's the, where, who, who are they selling off and... People yeah. are selling Lukaku, aren't they? Yeah, and Lukaku's already dropped in price this game week. Uh, much to your celebration, because I think you're planning on bringing him in, aren't you, for the, the fixture run? Uh, I it's, am. Um, <laughs> like I said, it's, it's, it's very much a contentious issue at the moment. And I spoke earlier about, you know, the uh, the top strikers at the moment and, and the points difference is very tight at the top yeah. in terms of who your, I think we've your got, premium assets are. We've got a few questions on Lukaku, so we'll definitely get back to that later. Um, to round off the top ten... Um, Got uh, 
to the two Man City boys, uh, Sana still being bought by people, 70,000 transfers in, up to 8.9 now. He was 8.2, I think, about uh, six or seven weeks ago. So that is... Yeah, that is one, I've kind of missed out on that one. No, I've, I've been sticking with Sterling, and I know Sane's been outscoring him most weeks, but I still quite like Sterling, I think, as an option. Exactly. I mean, but the thing is with Sane, at least he's settled in a final location. Like He seems to be starting quite often. And this week was actually a rare blank, and I was actually quite pleased with that. One guy who didn't blank, who was probably, what I think it was the third most captain guy, Sergio Cunaguero. Um 50,000 people have brought in Kun. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, he only scored a penalty, but the thing is, everyone knows Kun by his reputation. I mean, he's a runner, a rebel, and capable of stunners, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And I think that, he, you know, Man City over Christmas have a very good fixture run. The next four, Leicester, Huddersfield, Southampton, West Ham. I mean, those are four fantastic fixtures. And, you know, you've got to be thinking, if Kun Aguero starts those four with the European competition fading into the background, that could be, you know, you could be quids in. That could be a goal every game at least. I think, he, yeah, he is my preference over Jesus, but I'm just... I, I've got one man and I'm going to stick with him so yeah that makes sense that makes sense and you know there's all these transfers going on Nick and uh, that leads us nice to Psychology Corner which returns today just because I had a bit more time to do something and it's kind of prompted by a question from a friend of the pod Andy Goodland um, hi Andy and uh, he asked us thoughts on doing less lads transfers in seems, seems to be troublesome for me um, you know I keep taking hits and they don't, they don't go very well I'm becoming a bit of a hitaholic is a bet to do nothing and I was thinking about, you know, why if you're playing more and being more in, in, engaged and involved in FPL, you tend to do more and be more active and make more changes. And I think what it comes down to is types of involvement. So people say, you know, I'm involved in this or I'm engaged with this. But there's, there's actually two different types of involvement. The first type is kind of transient or situational involvement. This is kind of a temporary perception of how much you like something. So it can be, you know, if you're going down the shop and buying some alcohol, Nick, you, you're kind of transiently involved with the category so you're not really thinking about alcohol the whole time you're not an enthusiast as far as I know about any sort of alcohol right uh, well <laughs> so, so if you're if you're buying a gin you're not you're not kind of thinking oh you know I, I want some with, with juniper with a, ni- with a nice kind of minty flavour oh, yeah, right I'm, I'm not too first, yeah so. you're not that kind of guy so your, your involvement if you're buying a gin would be quite situational we're looking at it and thinking yeah that's that's fine so these people in FPL terms, people who on a Friday night look at the team and think, oh, I need to make a transfer. They look at, they get rid of someone who's injured who's, or who's blanked last week and bring in somebody who scored quite highly in the overall list. So that might be why Ward is being brought in. On the other hand, is enduring or sustained involvement, which is what we've got. So it's ongoing interest in the category, independent or specific situations. So we're always going to be interested in FPL no matter what. And our self-concept or our self-identity is based on FPL. So we are WGTA FPL and we love FPL. And um, this applies to managers who are involved with FPL all the time. And if you're the latter, like you are, Andy, and like we are, um, you get involved and you get easily influenced by thinking, yeah, this guy's essential because you see it on Twitter. You know, I've got to make these moves because I've heard that X, Y, and Z is happening in the transfer market. And this creates a template, this creates actions. And sometimes it is best, if you can, to just switch off. I mean, have you have rolled a couple of times, actually, this season? Have you rolled at all this season? Yeah, I, I, feel, I think I've rolled a couple of times. I feel sadly proud of myself that I don't make a change. And this is just because of the power of influence and because of the power of my involvement in, in, in FPL. And I think uh, you've just put your head, you've just nailed the kind of the way to stop this happening. You kind of create a self goal, I think, which sounds a bit kind of self helpy, doesn't it? But the best way to move forward is to create a self goal and think in your mind, I'm the manager of my team, not other people. Let's not make a transfer this week or let's kind of try to roll my transfer. Let's try to take a hit. Let's try to not take a hit, sorry. And those are the kinds of things which. Um, 
may help you get over the fact that because you're so involved in the game, you're removed from the ability to kind of switch off and kind of say, you know what, it's fine, I'm just going to roll it. Excellent, Tom. Okay, let's move on to the community questions after this break. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and um, let's have a quick look at the Who Got the Assist Mini League. And uh, just to reiterate, the league code is 1538-17403, if you haven't joined already. And the top of the league is a new entry to the league. <laughs> and, it, and what a new entry. It's uh, Dama Tanay, La 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 Land. He got 68 points. But his score is 775, which puts him second in the world. So, what a privilege to have a second in the world in our mini league. And his, um, his <laughs> team, he captain Salah. Oh, my God. Salah, what a lad. Points. What a lad. You also had Kane, Jesus, Richardson, Alonso, Daniels, De Gea, Hazard, Loftus-Cheek, Jones on the bench. You can see um, why with that, that, with that sort of team, you know, you can see why he's doing so well. If if I was that high up, I'd be a sarcastic Mr. No it all, Nick. I, I don't know about you, but well, how many points ahead of he is? He's, he's seventy five ahead of um, the former number one Ben Sutton with the Terabads. So uh, yeah, sorry Ben, but he's been knocked off his perch. And he's got a lot of chasing to do. Um, it seems like a new entry, possibly in third as well. I haven't seen this guy before. It's Danielle Callum with the Red Devils, seventy nine points. So. Congratulations um, to Danielle as well. I think we've got a question from Danielle actually Have this we? week. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, excellent. And uh, unfortunately, um, the guy who uh, got the theme last week, and I don't really feel like he deserves a gold star, but here's a gold star. He's uh, Gavin Doyle. Uh, he, it, was <laughs> an obvious, yeah. it was an obvious theme, Halloween. I think Tom said it in the first sentence that it was a Halloween theme anyway. Yeah, I gave that away. But, um, he's down to 15th, um, so he's dropped out of the top 10. I mean, there might be, a, I think we might be creating some sort of merch at some point, so there may be a prize for whoever comes first. Maybe some sort of Neon Watch mug or something. Yeah, we're, we're thinking about um, releasing a Neon Watch mug, so uh, look out for that. <laughs> Okay, cool. I've uh, got a couple of community shout-outs this week. Um, the first thing is uh, Chef Dale, um, at, at Pundit underscore Dale, I think he is. Um, the Josh King Fred, which I enjoy every single time. Uh, the usual, you heard us talk about earlier, the usual stuff about him not being eligible for England. And, you know, it just kind of uh, warmed up a really annoying Tuesday morning for me. Um, cool in some ways. There are a few nibbles saying, oh, he's Norwegian, you bloody idiots. But <laughs> I thought that was quite funny. And the other thing is, we're doing a London meetup. Um, so if you are London based I appreciate a lot of you aren't and you do for some whatever reason want to meet me and maybe Nick as well he's kind of trying to see if he can get a pass that night and we're going to the sports bar in Marlebone to watch Arsenal versus Liverpool on tw- Friday the 22nd of December half past seven and um, we'll keep banging on about this it's on Twitter we'll put it on our website at some point but yeah um, it'd be lovely if you guys come down and just have a chat about I think FPL you, I think you said though I think you booked a table for 10 but I think we've definitely had more than 10 so far sign up so you might have to um, increase uh, increase the table allowance at this rate yeah I mean this is with um, in collaboration with MathSafe FPL Peter Blake um, and yeah, we've got loads of interest I mean Andy Goodlin one of our good friends um, is thinking of coming FPL Connects and all these kind of guys so yeah it's, it's looking uh, looking like it would be a good night so if you can make it uh, let us know drop us an email say you're interested and I'll add you to the list and then maybe try to figure out if I can get a section or something at the sports bar in Marlebone. Anyway, let's move on to the questions, Nick. And uh, first is, is not a surprising one. Yeah, so the first question is about Lukaku. Yeah. Um, we've had questions on him from FPL Apprentice, Crafts FPL on Twitter, Mark London from the Fantasy Football Heads group on Facebook. Hi, Mark. Um, Ryan Matra from Facebook as well. Um, Liam McGregor as well from the Guff Facebook group. And uh, Sir Abdul as well from Reddit. 
So should he be brought in? Should we be worried about not owning him? Is uh, Lukaku for Jesus viable? And so Abdul's asked us, is it time to bring him in for Aguero slash Morata? And I think you were chomping at the bit to give me your uh, why Morata's better than Kaku spiel, weren't you? So uh, go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, where's to start, really? This is tough. I mean, if you look at the... I did a bit of analysis um, in the last six uh, game weeks to just look at Lukaku versus Morata. So as you know, Morata is a lot cheaper than Lukaku as well. So that's just, that's just one side point that yeah. doesn't really need to be covered. One point two, I think, to, is, isn't um, the difference. Now. I think just like the penalty boxes touches in the uh, last six games, uh, Morata's had thirty-one penalty uh, box touches, whilst Lukaku's only had nineteen. So Morata is winning there for sure. Lukaku, I think. I think, you know, Pogba is back. So I'm not saying that it's definitely Murata beating Lukaku in terms of the stats because I think once Pogba's back, those chances will be appearing for um, Lukaku again. But just in just the majority of the stats, obviously goal conversion last six game weeks, Murata's had 33.3%. Um, Lukaku's only had 14.3%. Murata's had better shot accuracy as well, 66% compared to... Um, Lukaku's 50% minutes per attempt Morata beats him 29.6 versus Lukaku's 38.6 so the big, so, big so, chances 1.6 so basically you're you're not you're going to stick with Morata and you're not going to bring in Lukaku is that, is that the upshot of this Nick well yeah um, <laughs> yeah essentially I mean I, I, I do like Lukaku and I think he does obviously offer a lot and he's potentially going to score in one of the next few game weeks, I think mean, maybe even score a couple of goals. Newcastle at home, I, I would have said he wasn't going to, but now Lascelles is injured and Pogba's back, I'm starting to think that maybe he is going to finally get a return. But he's, he's just had a barren spell, hasn't he? And I think Lewis Jones pointed this out from the Guff Facebook group as well. Like. Yeah, Lewis Jones. Lewis said that you know early on he's going to do really well, and then he'll go into a blank period. The thing is with Lukaku. I mean, I posted a table on Twitter and on Reddit. Um, I looked at his stats last year. 25 goals, 21 of them came against teams which finished below Everton. Um, 84% of his goals and 79% of all of his points, 174 of his 221 points were scored against teams which were below him. And it's, it's actually incredible. I mean, he blanked in 75% of the big games against big teams, but against little teams, he flourished. And there was no kind of rhyme or reason to it. There was no kind of like, oh, he's in form, he's going to keep scoring. With Lukaku, what the case was, was that if he had a good fixture, he scored. They've got Newcastle, Brighton and Watford next. And people have been saying, oh yeah, well, Lukaku, you know, the last few games, hasn't been, they haven't done very well. But I mean, put it in context, they were playing quite... Not on the front foot. They Mourinho set out against Liverpool for the nil nil. Set out against Chelsea for the nil nil. Um, maybe one chance was all they all they had. Um, and you well, know, they, they tried to beat Huddersfield. Yeah, Hudders, Huddersfield. I think you know maybe it's slightly anomaly because Phil Jones went off early and it seemed to rattle them a bit. And Huddersfield did shock them with the two goals. Um, I think the cases for Lukaku that we call him a flat track bully in the community, and I think that that's definitely true. Like the fact is that he scores goals. The default is that he's going to score. And I think with Newcastle, Bryson, and Watford next, he's being fed by a better supply line than Everton. People are saying, "Oh, you know, Pogba might not be back, might not be fit." So what? I mean, Everton. Who did Everton have last year? What Barkley? Not re- who wasn't too happy under Koeman. You no know, Morales. I mean. 
he still managed 25 goals and a lot of his goals came in teams uh, came in games like those against Newcastle so I kind of think you know I definitely what? think he's definitely, games. definitely an option but my preference at the moment would be Morata I think if you look at the fixtures obviously Chelsea have West Brom away Liverpool away Swansea at home Newcastle at home so you know they've got three out of four very good fixtures plus Liverpool as well who haven't exactly been defensively solid this season so I do. Um, I still stand by. I think Murata is a better option than Lukaku. But you know, I, I want Lukaku in my team. I, I want to get him in for Jesus. I just I can't afford it this game week, and I'm happy to risk it. And if he scores against Newcastle, I will be thinking about bringing him in for the Brighton game. But if he blanks again, I'll be pleased about my decision. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely bringing him in. I think you know people are saying that 48% ownership. He's not differential. Probably agree with you. But then equally, you've got to think well the amount of teams that he's in. Uh, prob- a lot of them are going to be dead teams, or maybe a third of that forty-eight percent. So maybe you're looking about thirty percent ownership, thirty-three percent ownership. I think that's quite decent, actually, given the fact that you know people are buying uh, Aguero at su- ma- such massive numbers. I mean, for those three games, I think I'm going to bring him in, stick the armband on him. Hopefully, he'll score against Newcastle, and we'll see something. So I guess we kind of differ there. But I mean, my preference is probably Lukaku for these. But I'm coming from a challenger position, whereas Nick's kind of quite happily sitting in the top four hundred five, four hundred k, one hundred eighty, top one hundred eighty k. So I, I think you you can you can kind of let that happen, whereas I've got to try to jump on these kind of Lukaku things. But yeah, up to you guys. Maybe it depends on your team. But yeah, I, I'm behind Lukaku, and I was very happy to see him drop to eleven point five. Next question is about uh, Phil Jones from FPL Virgin. A oft-repeated question. This um, he asked with rotation over Christmas. Will Phil Jones play every single match? Well, I think that's the problem. You can say that about any player. There's um, a lot of rotation happening, and I'd like to talk. You know, this question. You know, the fixture congestion is like a wider question in general. And I've said that in order to combat the fixture congestion, you need to have 15 players <laughs> playing in your squad, and that's why I think you need to get rid of Mbemba because yeah, I will be. I've got Kevin Vimmer warming the bench pretty much every game week at the moment. But you know, when he's got games like Brighton and Crystal Palace, what a, what a player to come off your bench if you've got an issue. And I've got the likes of Carroll and Ruben Loftus Cheek sitting on there as well. So if I bring in Phil Jones this game week and he didn't play in comes Vimmer in comes Carroll against Burnley in comes Loftus-Cheek against Everton I haven't even decided the order but I've got a lot of flexibility there so I'm happy to do an Otamendi to Jones swap and looking at the fixtures I mean Newcastle, Brighton, Watford, Arsenal if you actually look at the, the dates it's um, Newcastle on the 18th you'll probably play in that one guaranteed then it's uh, Brighton 25th probably play that one might be rested for the, the uh, Watford game and then play in the Arsenal game so it's, it's possibly only one game out of four that he actually misses. And, you know, any defender that you bring in from any team, some people are saying Otamendi might be rotated now because of company coming back from fix, um, from injury. So, you know, there's a risk with any defender from any team, whoever you're looking at, there's possible rotation. So you have to you just have to take a gamble and, you know, roll the punches and hope that you've got a, a fully um, playing bench that someone can come in for you. Yeah, that's it. I think with Phil Jones at the moment, I mean, you've got to kind of think, well, hey, oh, Every now and again, there is going to be a rotation. And as Nick said, I think, I and mean, this goes on to the next question about fixture congestion, actually. Um, you know, you've got to have that bench to come in for players like that. Um, FPL Connect, Rashik on Twitter as well. And Scott Kelly on Reddit have asked us about this. So Connect asked us, uh, hi, Simon. Um, how necessary is a full squad over Christmas? When do we start doing it? Rashik asks, what does a good bench actually mean? Is it worth having a Cork or Carol character who's going to get 4.5, uh, sorry, 4.5? 
4.5 who's going to score two points every week and Scott asks what's the ideal midfielder to have um, with things looking like you know really really busy over Christmas and um, you know I think the fixture congestion I'm going to start as Nick said you know, the next fixture, game week thirteen, is on a on a midweek, and that's the time which is prime for you know the Man City assets of this world. You know, Sterling probably might not play. You know, you're looking at maybe you know, uh, Phil Jones, as we said, maybe coming not playing him, and Smalling, and maybe not Linda Loaf, as you call him, <laughs> one of them playing. And you've got to be thinking, well, I want to have that that kind of flexibility, make sure I've got eleven players on the pitch. Well, yeah, I mean, we've already seen rotation with Manchester City anyway, regardless of the fixture congestion. I don't think it's going to change too much. I mean, I think we definitely, it is important to have a full squad. I think I just made that case a little while ago. Just, I think, just get get in those players. If you've got those 4.0 non-players, just look, there's a, there's a few, you know, likely lads at 4.3, 4.4 that you can bring in. Like Dunk is 4.4, you know, you only need to find 0.4. Um, cash yeah. somewhere just to get those guys. It maybe downgrade your second goalkeeper. I don't know, but you know, yeah, I mean, there is money there. I mean, to Rashik's point though, I mean, Rashik was saying that you know you've got Cork and Carroll. They're going to give you two points, or you can spend that money on your on your on your first eleven and have zero off the bench. I mean. Is it best to be spending that 0.5 extra on on the pitch? I mean, what, what do you reckon? I, I, there? I think you can definitely find. For, there's not really anyone cheaper than Cork or Carroll, though. I mean, what do you want to kind of save 0.2 and bring in Michael Carrick? Is that the question? Well, maybe it could be. Maybe he means like if you've got like a Hernimeyer versus having Dunk or Francis, would you prefer to have Hernimeyer and that extra 0.5 somewhere else? Um, I would prefer to have um, someone like Dunk or Francis coming off the bench if if someone like Raheem doesn't play because like we saw those guys got would have got six points coming off the bench this game week. So. Yeah, you've always got a chance, haven't you? I mean, the, the ideal midfield, I guess. I and mean, you've got a double pivot still, haven't you? Two four point fives. I have, yeah. So I've got that's how it's working out for me this season. I've been playing a four three three all season. It's been pretty good. Four four two could work for some people as well. I've seen teams with. Um, Calvert Lewin, the ass um, we mentioned earlier, very, very cheap um, playing strikers. They're being rotated a little bit. They're not necessarily getting 90 minutes, but they are also getting the occasional return. There's um, Jordan Ayew as well, as well from Swansea, 5.0. I think he might be still. Yeah, he's. Yeah. And then you've got the. So in midfield, you think maybe we have kind of Salah. You've got maybe a City player. You've got maybe like, like a Richardson, Richardson type, type character. character. Yep, and no. then maybe the, after that it's open. So you've got two 4.5s, you personally. I've got Richie, who I'm not too sure about, to be honest. And I've got Ruben Loftus-Cheek. But I think it, it might. it's just worth having five players that you know at least on every given week, four of them are going to be playing. You can afford to gamble with the City asset. Let's face it, if you don't have De Bruyne, you don't have a misfiring silver, you're not going to get points from them. But I think it's definitely worth just making sure you've got boring, easy picks who aren't going to go walk about. They are going to start for you. I think that's just the best way of looking at it. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree with that. Cool. All right, let's move on then. So the next question is um, about Manchester City during this congestion period. We've had questions from Ewan um, Daniel, who I mentioned earlier, Mr. Walker Porter on Twitter. So apologies to Mr. Walker Porter because I think um, one of the pods we called him Mr. Walker Peters, which <laughs> yeah. is um, a Tottenham fullback. But so um, the questions were, I think his question was um, where we go for Colonel Jesus. And then um, the other questions were about will the rotation start to be more acceptable as others begin to rotate too? And um, do we have a ranking? 
king of the top city assets. Um, so I think rotation is a good point. I think you and made that that rotate. The, what, the big barrier to us bringing city assets in so far has been the rotation. So you've been thinking, oh god, you know, Sterling get rotated. I don't want him. I mean, but I think it was going to steadily become water under the bridge because you're going to start to be thinking, you know what? Well, Sterling's being rotated, but so is Salah. So is. Um, you know, Kuniguero, so is X, Y, and Z. And it's going to be become something which is a bit more acceptable. And I think maybe the City assets are going to be on an equal playing field now because of this pile-up of fixtures. I think it's like 7-7 seven, seven during December, isn't it? Seven it games. is a pile-up. And um, City's rotation has been, you know, a lot of people have been suffering from it. But I, I, don't, I haven't really minded it too much. I've had um, Jesus not start this week and he's come off and um, scored. I've had Sterling come off the bench and score as well. So I'm still getting returns from these guys, even though they're not necessarily starting. Yeah. So it has, it's been pretty decent for me. Kun or Jesus? Uh, Jesus, I think. Um, Kun for me, personally. Yeah, even though, I think, I, even, I even though so. I've got Jesus, I, I think, think so. he's just a more assured of starts. He's more experienced. I think um, Jesus, he... Um, just that game we didn't even get a shot on target. Just a West shot Brom, at all yeah, just really put week, me off yeah. him. And plus, he's, he's not been playing as many minutes. I feel like the top city assets, you're probably looking at um, Sarna... And or can probably sign as number one if you can afford the 8.9 now. Um, Sana and Kun, and then below that, Sterling, the points per minute on the field is still absolutely outrageous. And and then uh, I guess beneath that, then you're looking at kind of Jesus. I mean, I think Jesus is a don't buy, don't sell kind of situation for a lot of people. If you if you can afford Lukaku or something, like that, I'm doing it, but I wouldn't necessarily say so. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. But I think probably you were looking at Sana, Kun, and then maybe Sterling if things get rotate if rotation begins to look okay. Do you think that's all right? Yeah, that's fair enough. Cool. All right, let's move on to the premium midfielders. So we've got a few questions here. Uh, one from Varun uh, Jabu uh, and Ian Wilson on Twitter. Hi, guys. Uh, so Varun asks, would you be waiting or does he have to come in in terms of Salah? And uh, Jabu asks, is Mane back on the radar? And Ian says, is the 5% for Hazard uh, a differential? Is he worth bringing in? So it's all, it's all very good questions. I think um, Salah is, is a must-own at this point. He looks like a season keeper. He's just been absolutely fantastic form. He's been like... So, so he's just getting so many shots. He's he's fast. He, he's just he's just a very exciting player. He's, he's exciting to own as well. So I think yeah, I think you do need to bring him in I if you don't own him. The, the ownership the ownership is so high now that every goal, every contribution he makes is going to absolutely destroy you if you don't own him. It's a bit like Mares from that other season where it was so cheap that everyone had him, and he's like, you know, we stopped celebrating Mares' goals and assists because, like, oh, you know, it doesn't mean anything. In the <laughs> that's, game. The, that's the flip side of this sort of player, isn't it? Because like, it was like the Kane captaincy this week. It almost didn't matter that he didn't score because everyone had him captain, so it was effectively a zero. Yeah, no one really cared. Like, it was like, oh, blanked. Well, I mean, everyone cared, but we we're all, all kind of caring in unison. And we're like, oh yeah, I mean, everyone suffered. It didn't matter too much. I think uh, Jabu, yeah, Mane definitely is back on the radar. Same price as Salah. So if you are chasing points and you're like, I just I want to bring this guy in, then get Mane in instead, and maybe he will be a differential um, to Salah. So um, it's a good shout. Yeah. Hazard as well, differential. Um, quite expensive still. I'm not sure about it. He, he's burned you a few times in the past, hasn't he? he Hazard. He, he burns. Um, yeah, last couple of seasons, I I didn't do as well in overall rank because I hang on to I hung on to Hazard for too long. So you have to watch out for him if you do want to take a gamble with him because he does have very poor patches where he doesn't return. Would you ever all. bring him in? 
I'm tempted. I think last season he was he was such a troll because he always seemed to score in the big games against like tough opposition like Arsenal and oh. then just blank against Burnley. Uh, that's it's that sort of player, isn't it? Where you kind of think I just I don't want to feel like I did that day, and I guess it kind of puts a barrier in between you and signing that player. It's the same with you saying with Jesus and me. Like it's the same sort of dynamic going on, isn't it? Um, moving on, uh, Chelsea assets, uh, especially Lonzo. So just outside the playoffs on Reddit asks, is Alonso worth holding on to? The fixtures getting better. Well, I think it depends on your team. I, I feel like I've had a lot, of, a lot more fires to fight, so I haven't, I haven't got rid of Alonso. I'm probably keeping him, keeping hold of him. I'm, you know, he's got a couple of clean sheets in a row for me, so quite happy with, um, with him and my team. Yep. What about yourself? Are you happy, or are you thinking about getting rid? Well, I mean, I, as you as you mentioned earlier, I have been thinking about getting rid. But the thing is, is that as more people sell, he becomes a bigger differential. And you know, watching him, the, the eye test, he is in the positions that you want him to be in. And as you said earlier, he's getting the shots. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we are going to be looking. He's getting the clean sheets. It looks like in games like last weekend, and he will be getting a goal. Pretty soon. I mean, that is definitely going to happen, right? Yeah, we've talked about Chelsea's fixtures, West Brom, Liverpool, Swansea, Newcastle, West Ham. I think there's potentially goals in there for Alonso. There's definitely clean sheets up and coming. So why not hold on to him? You've already absorbed, you potentially already absorbed a price fall. So, you know, he's now 6.9. And if he he gets a goal or an assist and a clean sheet, he could rise easily again because everyone will be on that wagon. Next question is from Matt at Yahoo. Hi, Matt. Um, he's asked us about Ericsson. And those are Lock on Kun from Reddit. What to do with Ericsson now? Um, well, to a, uh, an assist, the last time he got an assist in game week two, I mean, we, we published an article a little while ago pointing out that actually he does take a lot of shots too. But the thing is, assists are Ericsson's bread and butter. That was what he got last year. I mean, I owned him for a vast tranche of last year. And he wasn't getting that kind of... The basic stuff, I mean... He was the sort of player that in the game that we saw this week against Palace last year, remember that game against Hull um, around Christmas time where he got he scored and Kane did nothing. Um, he was that he was the player who was making the breakthrough. And if he's not managing it now, and because he's dropped back to midfield, and you've got injuries to Wanyama, you've got injuries to Dembele, which are forcing him to play centrally. And you said earlier, Dyer's moving back to the defence as well, and because Poch is playing three at the back. Um, I'd be worried about him a little bit, and maybe with the prominence of Salah. And maybe with the prominence of other players as well in the midfield coming through, the, the City boys, for example, I'd be thinking, you know what? Maybe I can leave Ericsson and grab, uh, just keep Kane as my as my Tottenham player. I'm, I'm not necessarily sure if I agree with you completely there. I know obviously they got Arsenal up next, but then they've got a run of West Brom, Leicester, Watford, and Stoke. So that's a very good run up and coming after the Arsenal game. Sure, Ericsson has blanked for a couple of weeks, but you know he has been scoring goals. He does get into positions. He's one of Spurs' most creative players. He's one of their most important players as well. So he's nailed on starter when fit. He's been playing a little bit um, more centrally, but that has been because of injuries. And with the likes of um, Dembele um, getting back to fitness, um, Eric Dyer as well, possibly moving back into the midfield position now um, once uh, Toby Alderweireld's back to fitness as well. And um, Harry Winks, when he's fit as well, Ericsson should be playing more centrally, more forward. And he's always on set pieces, he's on corners. I think he's a very creative outlet for Spurs. As we said, you know, after the Arsenal game, which I'd still be getting Spurs players in for, they've got West Brom, Leicester, Watford and Stoke. Those are four players that we've got in, in light green on our fixture ticker. I think those are kind of you know, the kind of games that you want Ericsson for. So 
Yeah, so it's a mixed picture, I think. It depends on the on your own team. Moving on, um, so Saman Natkar, um, Dan Lego Mane, FPL on Twitter, and Jay Freefidio on Reddit asked us about kind of sub 5.0 defenders. So Cement asked us about who to get rid of Norton for. I share your pain, mate. Uh, Dan asked us a ranking for the top 5.0 defenders, and Jay Fiddy basically asked us, you know, Dan or Daniels. Um, Dan or Daniels, I think you've probably made your decision already, haven't you? I have. I've, I've brought in Daniels. We, I mean, obviously, uh, Scott Dan's been getting a lot of shots on target. He's been rising up that shots on um, target for defenders ladder that I've been looking <laughs> yeah. at. But, uh, you know, he hasn't been converting many of the chances. Crystal Palace are absolutely rubbish at keeping clean sheets, even with Mamadou Sakho back. But um, I just I just can't invest in the Crystal Palace defender right now. Um, I mean, Bournemouth haven't been that much greater defensively, to be honest, this season. But I think their fixture run next five is just fantastic. Huddersfield, Swansea, Burnley, Southampton, Crystal Palace. So I'm, I'm all over Daniels. Um, the top... I mean the top 5.0 defenders I've sub 5.0 sub 5.0 so you'd have Daniels at the top do you well think? Um, I don't know I'd probably I might put in Ben Mee before him at the moment if you haven't got a Burnley defender yeah. I, I'm, I'm very happy with Stephen Ward actually but um, I think just the price makes Ben Mee more appealing oh, yeah, right you can't, now you can't buy Ward if uh, I just I'm flabbergasted that people are looking at uh, we said earlier as well it's about your involvement about kind of this kind of availability you're looking at the, the options you see Ward's doing well you bring him in but I can't see what the point of that is I mean you've got to get Ben Mee really if you're if you're looking at defence I think he's, he's got to be your top option yeah, for a 4.5 Dan suggested Marino as his second choice but I don't know how I can get behind that too I can, much. I can never touch Marino again after two seasons ago when everyone was raving about him like oh an assist is coming and a goal is coming his stats are amazing dude Bugger yeah, I think you just kept getting yellow cards. And <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a bit terrible. of a nightmare. Uh, Brighton, of course, yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about Duncan, Duffy, and, and Bong, and Bruno, and the other Worms Armageddon characters they have in their <laughs> But, um, yeah, both... Um, both great assets. I think we mentioned, uh, you know, I think a goal might be coming at one point for one of those guys as well. Um, Chris Hewson seems to have them well trained in the back. Yeah, Brighton's exactly. fixtures are reasonable ish. I mean, they've got Stoke at home next, Manuel away, Crystal Palace at home, Liverpool away. So it's, it's kind of like one good, one bad. So if you can get some sort of like rotation going on there, maybe bring in one of those guys. Uh, perhaps you could rotate with like a Bournemouth defender or you know maybe a Burnley defender but. yeah exactly I think that's the case really I mean I think maybe we're to the top five I think for us are probably going to be me top Daniels Duffy then maybe Dan and then the fifth guy um, I maybe suggest Simpson at Leicester I mean he's uh, the short term it's not that great but if you can find someone who rotates with him he's got West Ham on game week 13 and then uh, game weeks 15 and 16 um, they've got Burnley and Newcastle I mean I think that they're the most likely to keep a clean sheet and at 4.5 I think that, that's pretty decent Claude Puel as well last season was playing quite a, 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 maybe it was a tools at his disposal but quite a defensive game uh, for Southampton so he might be one that I especially I'm looking at as well as my member replacement especially now Lukaku's Simpsons. drops yeah now Lukaku's drops I got 4.5 to play with so it could be him who comes instead of Duffy who knows I wouldn't recommend Simpson but that's your decision Tom <laughs> <laughs> next question is about triple defence from Big Luke from Reddit. He's asked, is having a triple defence a good idea to help you catch up? No, it's probably my answer there. I feel like you're, you're going to be far too exposed, aren't you? I mean, at the end of the day, your entire defence... It's, it's effective forecasting because I am going to feel... Say I've got, I don't know, a triple Man United defence. 
I am going to feel in that game like I'm not going to be able to watch TV. Physically sick. I'm not going to be able to do anything. And the moment that the opposition score, which invariably, I mean, you t- you said the Richarlison stats last week. Like, invariably, if I own those three players, you know, fucking Brighton are going to score a goal, aren't they? It'd be um, a 15-point <laughs> loss. It could exactly. be, you know, like, if, if Imagine that. points involved Imagine as well. Imagine that. Um, I, I think you're setting yourself up for a psychological torture if you do that. And I, I'd never, ever... <laughs> suggest well, doing I mean, that I think um, Luke Disable he had a triple Southampton at the big, beginning of the season you're sort of working out for him I think Stephen Toomey he had it as well didn't he yeah so there's a few people there you, it, it, you can, it can wing big I think maybe you know yeah you, you get six points if they all get twos every now and again and maybe you get 18 every now and again but I feel like having kind of everything else having lots of fingers in different pies is always better psychologically at least maybe like the brass tack shows out after the over the course of the season having one player that you one team that you invest in is good but who knows I don't know anyway let's move on West Ham I asked you earlier on about Moisey so Mark Marley's decided to do something and ask us a question and Lewis Jones who we mentioned earlier on the Guff Group asked uh, about this um Will Moyes change West Ham's fortunes and bring their players back to relevance? Chris Chris Richmond, also on the Guff Group, uh, pivily remarks that they'll get lots of crosses, at least. Um, What do you think about that? Maybe Antonio, you know, (laughs) could come back into the picture. He's... I think he had most headed goals in the last couple of seasons. Into the, uh, the Antonio um, zone, as Martin Tyler was calling it for a yeah, little while. Yeah, I think Antonio is definitely someone perhaps that could come back into relevance. Yeah, I mean, uh, was it Aaron Cresswell? I think he was his his he was top for crosses at one point amongst uh, amongst fullbacks. I mean, he could be another one. I mean, what what does come to mind is last year Jermaine Defoe relegated Sunderland. No, Chikorito could turn round and actually play quite well under Moyes who knows I mean he's got the players there if you think about Arnautovic you've got Lanzini you've got, you've got Joe Hart as well in goal obviously yeah. with Sunderland it was Jordan Pickford that was one of our Winston, four point zero heroes Winston Reid World Cup playing uh, tournament attendee Winston Reid at the back Josie he needs Fonts. to have that England call out Winston Reid doesn't he <laughs> <laughs> so you've got all of these players who if you do meld them into a collective would do quite well I mean they've got Watford away next and then Leicester back to Everton for David Moyes and then and they've got Man City and Chelsea you don't want any players for that so who knows I mean it depends which David Moyes shows up if it's the Everton latter day Sir Alex Ferguson you're going to be the next manager of Manchester United Moyes then maybe yeah. it'll be okay I'm not going to be touching Andy Carroll for a long while um, or how I like to now describe him Mr Elbows leading with his <laughs> elbows again with the weekend <laughs> and then he looks so, so infuriated at the referee that he's been yeah. given a yellow card and it's a foul it's like, so I think stop it... swinging your elbows in people's faces when you go to Exactly. hit the ball uh, so I feel like it might be a watch and wait there um, moving on then yeah next questions from um, Arsenal Wizards on Reddit and Marco it's about Richarlison Arsenal Wizards asked us what is going on with home slash away why does that happen and Marco says is it mad to captain Richarlison versus West Ham next week I don't think it's mad I think it's actually a inter- very interesting differential I don't think there's like an obvious captain peak um, well, this well, week apart from your man Lukaku there, there is it's Lukaku I mean I looked at Richarlison a little bit and it is absolutely ridiculous I mean uh, I think Arsenal Wizard was asking us about why he performs better away than at home and the stats are crazy I mean at home right his XG is 1.0 away it's 3.87 um, minutes per attempt at home it's attempt every 30 minutes at away it's uh, every 20 minutes and 
per, minutes per chance is created. At home, it's a chance created every 100 minutes. Away, it's every 53 minutes. And he just seems so much better away. I mean, maybe it is the fact that he, you know, he doesn't have the pressure of the home crowd. I don't know what it is. Like, maybe he likes the adversarial nature of playing in a, I mean, in a hot environment. Who knows? I don't, I don't know. I know they, they, their fixtures at home have been a lot tougher. So I think, um, though they played like, Stoke, Arsenal, Manchester City, Liverpool, and Brighton at home. So, I think that that's, that's a very valid point there, Tom. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then finally, Chris Betridge asks, I, "I'm playing Ruben Loftus Cheek next week. Is it mad to be playing him over the next two weeks when they've got Everton and Stoke at home?" I mean, what do you think? I think it depends on the rest of your squads. I think I've got enough squad depth that Loftus Cheek is going to stay on the bench for me. There's no, no one I'd play him over uh, you know like he's only got one assist so far this season he hasn't quite you know hit the billing of the pre-season a lot of people no, he's, he's not extremely the... hyped about him being at 4.5 and seeing him as the future of England but you know he's, he's still a young guy he's obviously got a very long career ahead of him and he could be a you know a potential FPL asset of the future and, and a starter in our first team but not not at this moment in time if he scores in the next two then for sure we'll be t- all talking about him but at the moment, he's not done enough to enter my first team. Well, I think he's going to enter mine because uh, Richie is away at Man United. And I can't, I, I can't see Newcastle. Sorry, Newcastle fans, him doing anything there. Um, Loftus Cheek himself, I think it. It's more about his price as a four point five who is playing and might be able to return something further up the pitch. That's going to be nice. So remember, Capu last year enabled quite a strong front line. So I think it was Lukaku. Kane and Aguero wasn't it that front three last year this year I mean having Loftus-Cheek and having a 4.5 who you play week in week out could enable you to have uh, Kane Kaku slash Kun and Murata up front and I'm really hoping that Loftus-Cheek does emerge there because it means I can just get rid of Richie and shove in Murata over Vardy yeah I mean he definitely acts as an enabler I think when he's playing with Zaha and Townsend those guys are just not going to pass the Loftus-Cheek so I just can't see those guys they're, they're just too selfish as players you know mm-hmm. that Andros Townsend will cut inside and shoot Zaha will dribble around everyone and you know get an attempt on target but he's not going to pass to Ruben Loftus-Cheek who's is standing in space is he no exactly I mean, who knows who knows right that's everything i think uh, let's move on towards the uh, towards the wrap up the next so changes for next week what are you looking at for your team so cedric's um going for daniels um getting rid of him straight away avoiding the price drop yep um and uh i think otamendi for jones but we'll have to wait and see if anything else happens over the uh, international break that changes that all right, so I'm holding on to my changes until f- next Friday, um, which will probably be, well, almost definitely be Bellerin going out for me, and then uh, it'll probably be, be uh, Jesus out for Lukaku, and Lukaku will get the armband. It'll be a simultaneous release. Both of those guys, both those transfers done at once. I'm not doing anything now because I'm just so worried about injuries in the international break. Yeah, you can't stop now, can you? No, definitely not, but I'll try my best. I guess you're just addicted to the shindig, aren't you? <laughs> so um, we are who got the assist. There, There is a theme to every pod, so if you can get the theme, might have just given a big clue out, but, you know, <laughs> tweet us, um, send us an email, send us a Facebook message, and we'll um, give you a shout-out and a gold star. 
Yep, you can find us uh, online at whogotthis.com. From next week, our website will be amazing. <laughs> we can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. Our lead code is 15381740. And we'll be back in game week 12 to talk about, well, a Lukaku hat trick, I'm sure. Excellent, of course. And I hope this assists you. Thanks, guys. Take care. I'll speak to you then. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.